again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Shook Me All Night Long edition. As the Bengals extend their winning streak to four straight by beating the Buffalo Bills on Sunday Night Football 24-18. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and post-game analysis from Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, you'll get to know offensive lineman Cody Ford. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since syncing your clocks. We all got an extra hour of sleep on Sunday morning, but that's not my favorite part of daylight savings time. It's getting up first thing in the morning after the time change and syncing all of the clocks in our house, in our kitchen alone, There's a clock on the stove, the microwave, the coffee maker, the toaster oven, and a clock on the wall. Maybe it's just me, but I love it when they are all matched up almost to the second. Now, let's get to football and the radio replays from a primetime win over the Buffalo Bills. Tonight, the eyes of the football world are on downtown Cincinnati as two of the NFL's best teams led by superstar quarterbacks go head-to-head in a primetime showdown. It's Joe Burrow and the Bengals versus Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And it is time for the pigskin to fly here in the jungle. The Bengals go empty on first and goal from the seven. Burrow back at the 12, catches the snap, short drop. Throws it into the back left corner of the end zone. Caught by Irv Smith Jr. His first touchdown as a Cincinnati Bengal. And the Bengals are on the scoreboard first. Jordan Poyer was in coverage. You beat a good one. Joe Burrow put it up. What a drive. Latavius Murray, a bigger running back, checks into the game on first and goal. Allen fakes to him, pump fakes, runs toward the pylon, and does a little taunting of Nick Scott as he cruises into the end zone. There are two penalty flags thrown late on the play. Now it's third down and goal from the two. Chase alone out to the left. Boyd and Higgins out to the right. Burrow hands it to Mixon, and he will go flying into the end zone for a touchdown. And here comes the jungle jump as the Bengals have gone back in front. Shotgun snap, Allen to throw, pump fakes, fires a strike, intercepted. Cam Taylor Britt picks it off at the 32-yard line. Big third down and seven play coming up. Travion Williams in the game. He lines up to the left of Joe Burrow. Joe has the ball. Under pressure, dumps it off short, caught. Drew Sample has a first down to the 10, the 5, toward the pylon. He's in. (laughs) Touchdown. Beautiful. Bengals, Drew Sample catching a short pass from Joe Burrow and doing the rest on a 22-yard TD. Well, he released late. He stayed in the block, and then he released late. 
And as a result, the Buffalo Bills lost track of them. First and 10 at the 22 of Cincinnati. Allen catches, looking left, throws over the middle, caught by Kincaid, loses the football, scooped up by the Bengals at the 13-yard line. It's a takeaway. Nick Scott knocked it out and recovered it. Bengals ball. Now, did the the ground cause the fumble? No. The ball is out long before Kincaid comes to the ground. 3.42 3.42 to go. Third down and one in the red zone at the 17-yard line. Allen has the ball. Looking over the middle. Fires toward the end zone. Caught. Stephon Diggs got behind D.J. Turner, and it's a Buffalo touchdown with 3.32 to go. Joe Burrow hands on hips. Eyeballing the defense. Buffalo showing pressure up the middle. The Bengals hand it to Mixon. Gets away from an ankle tackle. Running toward the first down marker. He's got it. Wow. And that is Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. And what he did was he made Von Miller miss. One-on-one, Von Miller, Joe Mixon. He makes Von Miller miss. What a play by Joe Mixon. One more snap will do it. Once the clock is inside of 40 seconds to go, the Bengals can snap the ball. They snap it with 38 seconds to go. Burrow takes a knee, and the coaches begin walking toward the 50-yard line. Let the record show that in the head-to-head competition between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, it is Burrow 2, Allen nothing. As the Bengals win their fourth in a row, beating the Bills tonight by the final score of 24-18. to Here are some key stats from the win. Joe Burrow threw for a season-high 348 yards with two touchdowns, no picks, and a passer rating of 108.9. T. Higgins was his favorite target with eight catches for 110 yards, unless you consider the tight ends as a group. Tanner Hudson, Drew Sample, and Irv Smith Jr. combined for 10 catches for 101 yards and a pair of touchdowns. The Bengals didn't get much out of the running game as Joe Mixon finished with 37 yards on 14 carries. That's just 2.6 per attempt, but he did put the game away with a great five-yard run on third down and three with two minutes to go. He spoke to Dave Lapham in the locker room. Big run. Basically the end of the ball game at that point with that rush that you had. Talk about it. Yeah, man, um, they played pretty much double-A gaps. They tried to, you know, pretty much zero blitzes. It was literally uh, basically just me and Vaughn at that point. Um, I thought that Jonah Seal, you know, the edge well, you know, came crashing down on the, uh, I don't know, I think it was a seven. I don't know, I think it was a linebacker maybe. But, you know, I bounced out. It was me and Vaughn, you know, tried to give him a juke, made a miss and uh, got the first down. Wish I can go back and, you know, get out of bounds or uh, fall instead of going out of bounds. But I... You know, um, we was able to get it done, man, and that's how that mattered. So you mentioned that they were running double-A gap on that snap. They did that a lot, man. It was like they felt like they had to crowd the line of scrimmage and pressure you guys. And I thought a big part of your game tonight was blitz pickup, man. You were outstanding in blitz pickup. Yeah, man. Um, I thought that, you know, me and Trey did a hell of a job. You know, I wish I can go back on one and, you know, technique-wise and, uh, you know, clean some things up. But for the most part, I definitely felt like, you know, we honed in and handled business and, you know, got a few pancakes and, uh, you know, pretty much was holding up firm in the in the pocket, man. So Joe was delivering dimes and everything was coming together. So he's got to keep building on that. 
and keep going, uh, getting better. Joe, you're on a four-game winning streak, and you've scored not only in the first drive in every single game, but the second drive, your first two drives and all four wins, you guys have scored touchdowns. What, what does it mean to get off to a fast start like that? Yeah, I mean, pretty much over here, that's what we preach. You know, start fast and finish faster. Um, when it come down to it, man, I thought that the guys did a hell of a job honing in on the game plan. Uh, crowd, they played a great part of it, you know, with the momentum and things like that. But when it come down to it, we just got to keep building and keep capitalizing on, you know, what teams give us. Like I said, I felt like, you know, with the potential that we got in this here locker room, we got the potential to be the best in literally every stat, you know, in football um, from, from offense to defense. And when it come down to it, we just got to keep on getting better, honing in on the game plan and uh, doing what we got to do, keep stacking these wins. And they all, every single one of them getting bigger and bigger. We control our own destiny. And uh, we just got to come out here and finish, you know, one week at a time and hopefully, you know, see us come down the road. And finally, everybody said, oh, you know, the tight ends, I don't know, the Bengals tight ends, are they good enough? Tight ends played their asses off tonight. The tight end position stepped up, running backs, receivers, a bunch of receivers made plays, you know, not just Jamar, who made plays himself as well. But that that pass to Tyler Boyd on, on your final drive, how big was that? Yeah, I thought uh, TV came up huge on that. Um, hell of a play. Uh, that was a hell of a play called by Zach. Um, you know, we pretty much executed, you know, all the way around, all 11 of us. And uh, when it comes down to it, when you're executing great things, it's going to happen. And that's just what it is, man. But I'm excited about, you know, this big dub. We're going to celebrate today, tonight, and uh, come tomorrow. You know, uh, get the kinks out, learn from the drawing boards, go back to the drawing boards, and get ready for Houston, man. Defensively, Mike Hilton had 10 solo tackles, and the Bengals won the turnover battle 2-0. Jermaine Pratt forced a fumble that was recovered by Nick Scott, and Cam Taylor-Britt came away with his third interception in the last four games. I caught up with Cam in front of his locker. Two games for you against the Buffalo Bills. Two picks <laughs> off Josh Allen. Describe the one you had tonight. It's so crazy. Uh, it was the same defense. <laughs> and uh, I baited him, man. I just gave him two steps downhill, thinking I was gonna go for the out. And we we knew he's a he's a guy who trusts his arm more than you know any DB to ever touch the ball. So you know I just you know use my athletic ability most definitely to track the ball and go back and you know play the play the little fade ball. You know he was gonna try to hit the whole shot, yeah. which he always does. And you know we seen no film, film no line. <laughs> Gabe Davis didn't have a catch. Stephon Diggs didn't get to 100 yards. They've got some great weapons, and by and large, you shut them down pretty well tonight. I suppose they have, you know, just like that. I feel like anybody we play, you know, and I'm lined up on or DJ or Mike or Cheeto, anybody on the back end, I just feel like, you know, we, we, we're so close and, and tight-knit right now. Uh, I don't feel a lot of people, you know, running by us, you know, getting by us. That was a huge play, and obviously the forced fumble by Jermaine and the recovery by Crazy. Nick Scott was <laughs> huge inside the 10. Uh, how significant did you feel that play was? I think that was one of the, the, the major, you know, turning points. I feel like we always have turning points in our games, and, you know, you could just, you know, pinpoint them, and I believe that was the one right there, you know, going down to score, and, you know, we, we had to nut up and shut up, basically. And, you know, when it, we, we always say yards on equal points. It's going to come back to that always, you know, and we, we held it. Four straight wins, including back-to-back -back wins over the 49ers and Bills, two of the best teams in the NFL. How do you feel about the state of the Bengals right now? It should be lit right now. We got a lot of football to play, though. So, yeah, you know, you could be lit for right now, but Monday we back at it. What would you think of the atmosphere tonight with the striping, the jungle, and the whole deal? 
I think I can say it was lit. <laughs> yeah. No, it was crazy, man. Uh, me and the guys, some of the guys were talking about it, you know, just mesmerized by, you know, orange and black, how, how color coordinated it was. They really took their time to do that, man, and it showed, man. I think it was, you know, an intimidation thing, you know. <laughs> you gave him a great show. Congrats. Thank you so much. So the Bengals have won four in a row. The only team in the NFL with a longer current winning streak is Jacksonville at five in a row. Now, time to hear from head coach Zach Taylor, who spent about three and a half minutes with Lap after the game. So, I got to ask you about this. Four wins in a row. You haven't scored on your first drive only. You scored in your first two drives in all four of those victories. I mean, how big is that? It's big to get that momentum early in the game, uh, put pressure on the other team when they can feel what type of game it's going to be. Allows our defense to tee off, you know, when they've got that type of lead and and uh, makes the game easier to call for our guys and frees it up, allows you to be a little more aggressive on offense. So when you work so hard on your first few plays, you know, you, you have an idea of what you might want to call for your first two drives. When it works out like that, how rewarding is that? It's rewarding, you know, and our guys, they, they understand what's coming at them. Those are things that we walk through and talk about in great detail so they can preview it really the night before, and they come out and they do a great job executing it. Your much maligned tight end position was large today. They were awesome, you know, and all those guys contributed. James Casey does a great job getting that room ready and answering the bell when their number's called, and then they all did that today. Joe didn't even target Jamar Chase until his 13th pass attempt of the day. Was that by design, or was it they were just taking Jamar away, or did you really want to get others involved because you knew what Jamar was going to do? No, there were things where he was the primary, you know, and the, and the type of coverage dictated the ball had to go away from him. And so the credit to them, they did a good job. They keep you off balance. They throw a lot of different things at you. They'll pressure you, um, and they're not afraid to contest you. So it was, it was difficult to predict where the ball was going to go. You just kept calling it, and Joe just kept finding the open receiver. They blitzed a ton. I mean, that double-A gap seemed like every snap they were lining up in the double-A gap and sometimes coming with everybody and sometimes not. But was it a higher percentage than normal, or was that the way they played it all year? Uh, they, they pressure you. You know, they're not afraid to do it. And, and so, again, our guys were ready for a lot of the different looks that we were going to get. Uh, they do a great job changing it up, and so you just got to stay on your toes the whole game. Joe Mixon, talk about how big a factor he was today. I was, the way he finished that out was big time. You know, and he had some hard-earned run. It was never easy. Um, so in four-minute drill, you know, you can't block them all. It's cover zero. It's the last play of the game. And for him to, to find a way to make that last guy miss and get that first down was enormous. I thought, well, you know, maybe the onside kick. I don't know. I mean, because Joe Burrow, the way he's playing, I don't know. Maybe the, if they kick it to the Bengals, you know, just take a knee and end the game. That's the way it turned out. That throw to Tyler Boyd, though, unbelievable call by you. Tyler Boyd executed it. Talk about that play. Yeah, it's a player guys believe in, you know, and, and – you really don't want to start with a first and 10 run that gets you no yards because that's what they're anticipating. So you wanted to put yourself ahead of the sticks and, and let our guys, you know, finish it out from there. And so, again, great protection, great throw, great route by TB, and so it was good to see. You played a clean game last week, no penalties on the offense. Clean game this week, no gives, no giveaways, two takeaways, plus two. It's big. Yeah, the turnover battle is huge in games uh, versus really good opponents like this. Uh, you got to find a way to win it, you know, and plus two usually guarantees your victory. And so uh, that was good to see that our guys finished that way today. Uncharacteristically, and it had to be frustrating to you, the stretch of penalties uh, down the, the end of the second quarter had to be frustrating for you. It was tough. You know, there, there was two of them. One, of them. one of them we'll have to watch and see again, you know, on the scramble. But, um, you know, there's some things that we got to, I got to get the call in better so that we can have some urgency, get into the line and get the ball snapped and help our guys out. Coach, appreciate it. Uh, you got your team playing really hard. Um, 
Joe Burrow's back. There's no doubt about that. I mean, everybody in around, around the league is looking to say, uh-oh. Bengals are back. Bengals are back. No question about it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, time for the Radio Guys recap. Lap before the trade deadline, a lot of folks were speculating that the Bengals would try to add a tight end to the room. They didn't. They did promote Tanner Hudson from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. Well, at least tonight, they didn't need any other tight ends. Drew Sample had a touchdown. Irv Smith had a touchdown. Tanner Hudson had four catches for 45 yards. They got great production out of that position. Yeah, they really did. Um, it was it was good to see, uh, and, and on on a national stage to boot. You know, I mean, I think it takes a lot of pressure off of uh, off of the players at that position group, and and they they work hard. Their coach works hard. Uh, he gets them ready. They're they're absolutely. Um, on point with respect to assignments, not making mistakes, not doing anything to hurt, you know, the football team from a negative standpoint. And today they stepped up and made plays. And I thought it was interesting that Jamar Chase was not targeted by Joe Burrow until the 13th pass attempt of the day. Mm-hmm. And I asked Zach about it, and he said, well, he was the primary in some cases. You know, he it, was, it wasn't there. They were bracketing him and doing different things to him, rolling coverage, clouding and all that. So they went elsewhere, but uh, other times it was designed to go to, to other people. And T. Higgins, as a result, stepped up and had a game. Nine targets, eight catches, 110 yards. I mean, it, it was uh, it was big. Hudson, like you said, four catches for 45 yards. He was targeted five times. Tyler Boyd had that huge catch, that 32-yard catch, basically sealed the game, made that four-minute drill or three-minute and whatever second drill a heck of a lot easier when they picked up three first downs on that, uh, on that one drive, it was a great call by Zach and a great route run by Tyler Boyd. Let's go back to the beginning of the game. They score on their opening drive, four straight games with a touchdown on the opening drive, and then they followed it up with another touchdown, third straight game that they've done that. And going back four games, they had a field goal on their second drive. So four straight games where they score points on their first two drives. I don't ever remember that happening before. That's, that's unbelievably impressive, and it just takes – such a load off the defense. I mean, you know, when when the offense is playing like that, it uh, it makes uh, Dr. Lou's uh, schematics even even more difficult. I think it gives him so much freedom. Um, he can do a lot of different things, and uh, it's 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 it is it's it's extremely impressive the start that they get off to, and it's got to be unbelievably rewarding for Zach that you work all week on you know, on a script and things you might like uh, to put in there in the first couple of drives of the football game. And then for them to come to fruition that well, that's, there's nothing better than that when you're uh, putting in all that work, all those hours, and it pays off, and it pays off big time. Defensively, the Bengals get a couple of huge takeaways. The first one was Cam Taylor Britt with the interception off Josh Allen. Three picks in his last four games, also had one in the playoff game last year in Buffalo. Am I being way premature to think that Cam Taylor Britt is the top corner on this team and, and one of the better young corners in the league? I think he's, I think he's making a, a move in that area. Uh, he, I think he feels like he is, and, and that's what you have to have. You have to have that kind of confidence. You have to have that kind of belief that you can make that sort of contribution for your football team 
he's a physical guy and he brings the emotion, the enthusiasm, and um, he, he, he bothers receivers. He gets in their heads, there's no question about it. He's, a, he's an impact player. I think that uh, it, it some, sometimes he, he followed uh, Diggs. You know, he was the guy and he was going wherever Diggs went. Other times they rolled coverage and clouded toward Diggs. They changed up uh, what they did to him, just like the Buffalo Bills changed up what they did to Jamar Chase. I mean, they're both, since 2022 started, both of those guys are in the top five in receiving yards in the entire league. So you're going to do things like that uh, to, to try to curtail their contributions. But uh, that's when other guys have to step up. Second takeaway, great teamwork between Nick Scott and Jermaine Pratt. Nick makes the jarring hit to send Dalton Kincaid head over heels. And as he's upside down and coming to the ground, Jermaine, who's always obsessed with uh, coming away with the ball, punches it out and leads to the fumble recovery. Yeah, I think probably the biggest reason the game ended up the way it did is they were plus two. And that gave them an opportunity to um, hold on to the football, run more snaps, burn more clock. I mean, they almost had the ball for a full quarter more than uh, the Buffalo Bills did. 36 minutes and 38 seconds to 23-22. I mean, 13 minutes and uh, 16 seconds. That's pretty That's pretty impressive against a team, the caliber of the Bills. And the turnovers had, had something to do with that. And they also dictated field position. The Bengals won the field position battle, the average drive start battle by quite a bit in this football game as well. So, you know, things like that that, that contribute, you know, overall to the, to the victory. Um, team has to go long field while you're going short field. You know, you're, you're, you're eating clock up. Now there's more pressure on them to try to make bigger plays because there's less time on the clock and you're still trailing by two scores. And that puts a lot of, a lot of pressure on the offense and it frees up your defense. So they're, they're starting to do a lot of things, you know, really well in that regard. And, I, and last week, the Bengals offense was penalty free. And they had got a big win on the road against the 49ers. Tonight, they were turnover free against a really good team, you know, who will probably be in the playoffs and trying to make a run in the playoffs like they, they have every year and not turning the football over and getting two of them being plus two. That's probably as huge a factor in the win as anything. I guess if there are a couple of negatives tonight, the running game wasn't very good, and they did have far more penalties than usual. They did. They, they, um, they had a, a stretch there where – on uh, the end of the second quarter, three straight penalties just took them out of a scoring opportunity. They, they, they left uh, meat on the bone. There's no doubt about it. They could have they hung 30 on them easily, maybe into the mid-30s, if they had finished everything, every opportunity that they had. But they, they finished enough of them <laughs> to win the football game for sure. Uh, and, you know, here's a, here's a situation now where two straight games against the 49ers and the Bills – two of the better teams in the NFL, and to never trail? Mm. You haven't trailed in eight quarters against those two teams? That means you're starting to play some pretty decent ball. The game's kind of weird in the sense that they won by six, there was some tension at the end, and yet I never felt like there was a chance they were going to lose the game. Am I, am I nuts? No, I don't think so. I felt <laughs> the same way. You know, it's like it's, as soon, if you keep that two-score lead – you know, until there's like eight minutes or so to go in the game, you think, I just don't see a team, the caliber of this team, you know, blowing this thing. Um, and uh, I walked by Joe. I'm like, you know, man, when they gave you that, uh, gave you that opportunity to close it out with three minutes and change to go, I, I said, I don't know if I'd kick it to, uh, you know, kick off and let Joe Burrow take control of that football. And you and Tyler Boyd stepped up and he goes, 
closed it out. <laughs> closed it out, man. That's what it's all about. There's nothing better than kneeling down, uh, taking a knee to, to win the football game. When you can do that, a couple of snaps at the end hmm. of the game. When you get the ball back with three and a half minutes to go, and the other team's down by six and they never get the ball back, that's got to be a tremendously satisfying feeling. No question. I mean, four-minute drills in those situations are hard to run. But when you make a play, when you pick up over three first downs in one play, now it's all of a sudden that, that four-minute drill has become much easier. I mean, you, you flipped field position. You picked up a third of a football field on one snap. That's, uh, that dog will hunt right there. All right, four straight, five out of six. The Houston Texans coming up next with a rookie quarterback who put on a show 470 yards and five touchdown passes for C.J. Stroud today. It's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm watching that game a little bit, and his, his throwing motion is so compact. It's so short. And, and I mean, he, he stays in a, a tight pocket. I mean, he's, he's, he's a fearless kid, and he's very accurate with the football, obviously. And uh, they're, they're no joke. I mean, he's, he's on a stretch. Uh, he went into the game with just one interception on the season. I don't think he threw any today. I mean, five touchdown passes, no no picks. I, this this guy's putting together some numbers that are that are crazy. You're looking at the offensive rookie of the year. It looks like in the National Football League. Game-winning touchdown pass with six seconds to go after Baker Mayfield had thrown one to take the lead with 46 seconds to go. That's incredible. It is no timeouts. I think it was four plays, four throws, the one to the sideline. The deep ball of the sideline where his receiver, you know, dragged the, dragged the left toe. And I'm thinking, how can, how can you give up that play? They have no timeouts. How can you not funnel action back to the middle? Why would you give up a sideline play like that? But he threw a very accurate football and uh, took advantage of a very, very tight window. It's good to be two games over 500. It really is. How about the ASC North? Everybody's two games over 500. You said earlier, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, everybody would be in, right? Yes, I believe so. I think Cincinnati vaults ahead of Buffalo on the uh, totem pole, and that I'll double-check, but I'm pretty sure that as of right now, of the seven teams that would make the playoffs in the AFC, you've got all four of the AFC North teams. Everybody in the AFC North, at least two games over 500. That is well done by the division. Son of a gun, they swept it this weekend. Swept the action. Unbelievable. After double-checking, I was correct. The four division leaders in the AFC right now are Kansas City, Baltimore, Jacksonville, and Miami, and the three wildcard teams are Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. There's obviously a long way to go. Cleveland and Baltimore face each other in Baltimore next week, and Pittsburgh has a home game against the 3-5 and five Packers. Now, time for this week's Fun Facts segment where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with offensive lineman Cody Ford from Pineville, Louisiana, a small town in the central part of the state. As you enter Pineville, there's a big sign that says, a great place to call home. What do you love about your hometown? The closeness of the community, uh, the the willingness to, you know, be there for your neighbor that's not family. I would say just the environment alone, and then ultimately just the, like I said, the people in the in the city and in the community. And I think the sign is, is accurate. It's a great place to call home. I, lo- I love being from Pineville, Louisiana. You went home during the Bengals' bye week to have your number 74 jersey retired at your high school. 
Can you describe what that meant? A dream come true. Um, I remember I was talking to my girlfriend before we went down there, and I was like, there's only one jersey in the facility that I used to walk in every day that was retired. And I used to look at it every day and be like, why not me? And then also looked at it as, you know, more motivation and inspiration for myself to, you know, strive to be better and um, take take this football, this sport serious and see where it can take me. We're visiting with Cody Ford. You're a big man, you're 6'3", about 330 pounds. Were you always the big kid in the neighborhood? No. Hmm. Uh, maybe Maybe one of the taller kids, but I didn't – surpassed 240 pounds until I would say junior year of high school and then kind of hit a little spurt junior year uh, gained about 20-30 pounds got to 270 Uh, and then the the next year I was the biggest kid in school. (laughs) When it came time to go to college you traveled about seven hours from home to go to the uh, University of Oklahoma you became an All-American there in your two full seasons as a starter, the team went to the college football playoff both times. Your quarterback won the Heisman both times, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. What did you enjoy most about playing at Oklahoma? The locker room. The guys in the locker room, especially the O-line room. We, uh, I mean, there's guys that don't play in the league today, um, some that didn't even get a chance to play in the league, and I think we talk every day. Hmm. The brotherhood that we built there is just bar none. I don't think – I mean, a lot of guys speak highly of their locker rooms, but I know me and the guys in the O-line room and other positions as, as well put great pride in, the, you know, being a tight-knit group, and that's what we live by. And then ultimately going to Oklahoma, like just being a part of such a prestigious program, that was, that was a big, you know, uh, bonus in itself. You had a great career. You also earned your degree in three and a half years. Were academics always important to you? <laughs> I'll just be honest. I wouldn't say important. Uh, it wasn't the top of my list. I know it was the top of my parents' and my uh, grandparents' list. But uh, once I got there, I had I had my career. And then when it was time for my last season of football, I said, well, I'm not leaving until I get my degree. So I pushed myself to have my degree by the time the season ended, so, I, you know, I, I took, I want to say, six to eight uh, extra hours of class that semester on top of it being my last semester of football, and I had a big, busy schedule, but uh, I took it more serious probably my last two years of, of college. I was like, I have to get my degree. You know, I, I came too far not to leave with my degree. We're chatting with Cody Ford. You were selected early in the second round of the 2019 draft by the Buffalo Bills. Describe your draft experience. Long, exhausting, um, exciting, humbling experience. Uh, but all in all, it was a great, a great experience, great memory, great moment. And, uh, you know, everything I had done up until that point was was all paid, for, paid off and uh, – the first night being in the draft room, expecting my name, hoping my name to be called that night and then it not happened was probably the most humbling uh, piece of my career up uh, at that point. That was a long day. And then the next night to have my name called that early was really fun, really, really enjoyable. I grew up a little bit south of Buffalo, so I know all about the weather. 
Since you're from Louisiana with the heat and humidity, how did you find the snow in western New York? Not friendly. <laughs> I remember the first time it snowed, uh, I didn't have a shovel, I didn't have a, a brush for my car, I didn't have a heavy coat, which I should have been prepared for, but uh, I remember I opened my door and the, the snow was probably about three inches above the base of the floor and I was like, holy <laughs> You know that was that was insane. I had never I've never seen snow before that. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't friendly. This past off season, you became a free agent for the first time, and you reached out to your former Oklahoma teammate Orlando Brown Jr. with an idea before the start of free agency. Explain what happened. I knew he was going to be up. I knew there was going to be a lot of teams that wanted him, and I knew that him being the guy he is, he wants to go to a, a winning program. Uh, a, a great program and and play for you know guys or play with guys that you know have the same motivation and same mindsets as him and I, being on the outside looking in uh I've always looked at Cincinnati as that and I told him early on I was like man let's go to Cincinnati because I mean at the time it wasn't a shot at anyone here I myself wanted to be a part of this organization I wanted to be on this team, and I, I sent him a text. I was like, let's, just, let's go to Cincinnati. And next thing you know, he signed the day of my visit or the day before my visit, and then I signed the next day. Describe your friendship with Orlando. I would consider him more than a friend. He's like a big brother to me. Uh, from the first week I stepped on the campus at Oklahoma, he was uh, all the little things from to big things. He was like, this is how we practice. This is what coach expects from you. This is what the team expects from you. And then, you know, he was like, this is, this is where we eat at. This is, do you want good food? This is where you go. And, and then he was like, this is where you can get your hair cut at. This is like all the, from little to smallest to the biggest, he, uh, from week one, you know, he kind of took me under and, you know, he like portrayed himself as a, a mentor to us uh, younger kids. And he portrayed himself as a um, as a leader, and then he also lived through through those everything, and we assumed of him he he lived up to it. We're doing fun facts with Cody Ford. You post on Instagram from time to time, and most of your posts include the hashtag R.I.P. Papa, which is a tribute to your late grandfather. Tell us about him and your relationship. Me and him, we were best friends growing up. Uh, until literally until the day I uh, left for college. There's a point in our, my life where me and my mom had to go live with my grandparents for uh, some time. And I think that's when we really kind of bonded together. And I think that's when I really started to look at him as not just a grandfather, but a friend, um, a male, a male figure in my life that I want to represent and strive to be and as a father husband even as a neighbor I used to tell not used to but I tell my girlfriend all the time like my grandfather was community rich because I could walk into any grocery store any sporting event and they always be like oh you're Eddie Rabelais grandson Mm -hmm. and uh that always made me feel good knowing that people knew where I came from and the values that were instilled in me and the the morals and things like that that I knew I I had a choice to follow or not follow and I always chose to follow so you just referenced your girlfriend Tiana on cut down day many of us were introduced to her 
She has more than 100,000 followers on TikTok. She posts some very entertaining videos, and she posted one on cutdown day where the two of you are in a car as the clock hits 4 o'clock. And at that point, you know you have officially made the Bengals roster. It was really touching. What did you think of that? That one, that's, that's another, another um, humbling experience I've had as, uh, with my time in the league because being that I'm going into my fifth year, I've seen people who you would expect to make the team get cut, and I've seen people that you wouldn't expect to make the team get uh, make the team. And, you know, just with the, the late concussion that I had, not not putting any film on the in the last preseason game, I, that day and that last hour or so was very stressful. Um, I had never been in that position before. As eye-opening as it was, um, I've always been on uh, the verge of, well, you never know what can happen. You can always get cut. But that that was the first time where I've been like, no, like, I don't know if I made this team. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I had enough confidence in myself and enough confidence in what I had done so far that I, I knew I had a, a, a good shot. And uh, I took advantage of every opportunity and I put everything out there. And uh, as the time kept going down, I'm like, I don't have anything. I don't have a call. I don't have a text. Uh, and she's like, well, did you check your other phone? And I was like, no, I haven't. And I, I didn't want to check it, but I knew I had to check it. So then I checked it and nothing was there. And then the clock hit four o'clock and then church bells rang and we knew we had made it. They literally rang in the background, which was amazing. After seeing that video, I've looked at a few of her other TikTok videos. She's bubbling with enthusiasm while you typically play the straight man and often look mildly annoyed are you in character, or is that real? Both. The annoyance is just a show. Uh, and I told her that, and then, like, we've also posted a video about that. Um, and she knows, like, the beauty of it is that she knows what's real and not real as far as how I act on camera. She also knows that I hate the camera. So she <laughs> she she expects it sometimes, and uh, she's aware of it. But at the same time, we... I started to kind of enjoy it, and then there's just those true moments where, like, I really don't want to be on camera right now. Because uh, I've always just been, like, the nonchalant, like, keep everything low profile, whatever. But, you know, I've – as much as she's into into that, not saying she's, like, a spotlight person, but as much as she's, like, into the – recording everything and stuff like that she's learned to adjust to me not wanting to be on camera as much as well so when i'm when i'm annoyed on there i it's just a little show well she is a talented content creator you play a very good straight man what do you like to splurge on unnecessary things um clothes shoes bags more so just because i didn't grow up with the finer things uh, now that I have the opportunity to afford it um, responsibly, I, I do have my moments where I go splurge. But I was just those three things kind of. And then uh, house decor is kind of my big thing too. Like hmm. wall art, comfy seatings, like bean bags, chairs. And then probably my gaming system is what I splurge on quite a bit as well. All right, final fun fact for Cody Ford, and this one is kind of deep. If you could meet anybody in history, 
living or deceased, athlete, entertainer, statesman, who would that person be? Mm. I might have to say Michael Jackson. No, no, I'm switching that. Bernie Mac. <laughs> I love Bernie Mac. Uh, I think he's the greatest comedian of all time. And he's also one of the smartest smartest men, uh, you know, with his quotes and stuff. And just the way he uh, he lived his life, you could tell that he was, you know, he knew he was that guy and that's the way he lived. But, yeah, I, I wish I could meet him and just sit in the room and laugh all day. That would be my guy. Cody, this has been fun. It's great to have you in Cincinnati. I appreciate your time and best of luck the rest of the year. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official healthcare provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.